Welcome to Composer Quest. I'm your host, Charlie McCarran, a composer in Minneapolis, and I started the show to share insights from other composers and songwriters about how they make music. You can hear all the episodes and learn more about these artists at ComposerQuest.com. This episode, I talk with short film composer Sam Gorski. He and his friend Nico Peringer produce videos for the YouTube channel Corridor Digital, which has almost a million and a half subscribers. Because they've built up this fan base, they've been able to do these video game themed YouTube videos full time. Sam talks with me about this creative challenge of composing a new soundtrack for each YouTube video. Each video is different, and so I'm finding myself constantly drawing from everything from chiptunes and dubstep to Hans Zimmer to really intense power metal. We'll get to hear Sam's advice on running a successful YouTube channel. It's all about finding that niche. That's the best way to succeed. We'll also get a behind-the-scenes glimpse at Sam's own soundtracks for Corridor Digital, including a zombie apocalypse video they just put up, based on the game DayZ. Sam, welcome to Composer Quest. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Sam Gorski is here. He produces videos for a YouTube channel called Corridor Digital, Mm -hmm. a really successful channel. And Sam and I went to high school way back when. Yes, we did, in Stillwater, Minnesota. Yeah. (laughs) So now you're out in L.A. How long have you been out there? Oh, I I think uh, about four and a half years at this point, actually. Moved down here from uh, Canada after shooting a feature film right out of college. So I've just been here ever since. How would you describe your video style to someone who doesn't know you? I would describe it as uh, video game inspired short films. 95% of the videos we produce, I do 100% of the soundtrack for. One thing I really admire in your work is that you have an ability to do high action music. It just works really well. And that I find that one of the hardest things as a composer is to do high energy stuff to a film. Yeah. When it comes to making things intense and high action, it's kind of like a balance of the pacing you're doing for the piece. Like, just simply the math, like tempo and rhythm and all that stuff, but also, like, the way you're designing your instruments, too. And fortunately, Freddie, who runs the Freddie W channel, and myself have been trading a lot of music tips back and forth, and through that, I've come across lots of really amazing samples, essentially, to use that really fit that kind of action vibe, like all those big drums, and just to make things feel really epic and intense. Well, one of your short films that you were scoring when I was out there visiting, Team Fortress 2, your uh-huh. video for that. Yeah. Do you, maybe you could kind of describe that process. That piece in particular was pretty challenging, actually, because basically uh, the Team Fortress game, it's got a retro vibe. It's in everything from the visuals, costumes, characters, environments, and specifically the music. It was all kind of got that secret agent, you know, 60s secret agent, kind of like bongos and really twangy guitars and you know strings and horn sections and all that kind of stuff and so essentially in order to make a compelling piece that fits that you really kind of have to embrace that and figure out how to do every single thing the toughest part for that piece was actually uh, doing the horn elements I don't play trumpet and I actually don't know many people who do 
but I was able to actually get my hands on like a pack of pretty amazing trumpet sound effects and samples. They mimicked what it's like to play soft and hard through the trumpets and all the intonations and stuff like that, and that's what really made that feel real. Did you picture yourself doing this, writing music for these videos? Oh, yeah. I mean, just, just simply like trying to make short videos like this on such a tight schedule, you don't have a lot of money to really expand because of that constraint. You have to learn how to do everything. And I just happened to have enough music experience to, uh, I don't know, pull off a couple songs here and there. I mean, not to mention it's something I definitely enjoy doing. So it's kind of all, all part of the job. Yeah. Well, and this is kind of your job, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is, absolutely. We do this full time, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could describe a little bit about how that happened, that you guys got picked up as YouTube partners. Yeah, well, um, before we really started doing this, we were doing freelance visual effects in L.A. And uh, in that meantime, the YouTube environment was really starting to grow. One of our good friends, Freddie Wong, he uh, started a channel alongside of us and we were living together at the time and we started realizing that there's a ton of potential in pursuing this. So we started doing that ourselves uh, alongside him and we've been doing it ever since. Yeah, it's awesome. And your fan base seems like you guys found a perfect niche of video gamers who are of course going to be online watching YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. With your channel having almost a million and a half subscribers, how does that change the way you write music? Is there more pressure on you? Mm, I, 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 don't, I don't really quite feel the pressure. In fact, it's almost like you feel less of it, but not in a sense that the quality doesn't have to be as high, but kind of in the sense that, uh, I don't know, it's something you kind of get used to. I mean, we've definitely gotten over the hump of the fact that this audience we're making videos for definitely enjoys the stuff we're doing. So the only way to keep going forward is to uh, just staying at it and focusing on that style that people are familiar with. Yeah. So basically your income is based on mostly YouTube advertising, or how does that work exactly? Yeah, pretty much entirely that. It essentially comes down to a certain amount of money. Usually it's like a buck or two per however many millions of views you get. Once you've been able to build an audience big enough, it does eventually start supporting you so you can do it full time. It seems like an awesome model that they have set up for people who are mm -hmm. making successful videos. Yeah, it's great because it's kind of doing for filmmaking and video what happened to music a decade earlier. What is the application process like for being a partner? The process is pretty simple. All you need to do is prove to them that you're making consistent content to essentially warrant them using their ad network to drop ads in on your stuff. So that's really what it's all about. You know, they're just looking for consistent content really more than anything else. Sure. What advice would you give to people who are just starting a YouTube channel, either of their own music or their own videos? Yeah, well, um, there's a, such a variety and such a wide range of things you can do that it's all about, more than anything else, finding that niche. Because if you put everything into that, you know, there's tons of people out there who will recognize that. You know, and with us, it's, it's a lot of like that video game content. And you have to fill that niche. That's the best way to succeed. Yeah. Would you say it's like... Um, couple videos that really sparked your audience or is it just a series of them well i mean to have the recurring audience it's all about just making sure that you're having consistent content you know 
not going a few months here and there without creating stuff because on the internet it's very easy to forget about people and constantly coming back with more is definitely the best way to help people remember that you're there. <laughs> sure. Much better than like a one hit wonder cat video or something. Yeah, because <laughs> everyone can name the video, but no one remembers who filmed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, your videos, what's your turnaround usually? Two weeks? Uh, yeah, for the whole video. But um, for the music itself, I'm lucky if I have more than like two days. Usually it averages out to a single day just to write about two to three minutes of soundtrack for each video. Most recently, we worked on a video based on the game DayZ. Knowing I was gonna have to score a nine minute piece, I decided to focus very closely on making sure the music was extremely high quality. Because, you know, when it comes to like making a serious narrative versus a comedy two minute video game video, everything has to be real and believable and sound great. Yeah. Well, how long did that scoring process take for the nine minutes? That one actually took like a solid three to three and a half days. And most of that time was focused on the first like two minutes of it. The rest, uh, because it's a lot of like tones and just atmospheric stuff, I was able to breeze through that pretty quickly because it's all about finding a sound you like and then holding it down for like 30 seconds <laughs> while it just sits yeah. there. But uh, yeah, I, I mostly spent that time focusing on those first two minutes just because it's a very tough sound to get. And there's no hiding it, but uh, the beginning theme was based on a, a song by uh, a band called The Cinematic Orchestra. piece in the beginning is based completely on samples. All these strings, all the drums. The only real element there is uh, a bass guitar. Usually bass guitar is the real thing behind each track because even when I'm making a score based completely on samples, just having real bass guitar driving everything makes everything feel a lot more natural because you can't really fake that as well as you can other instruments. Well, what's it like working with your creative partner, Nico? Because you guys have been working together for quite a while. Mm -hmm. How do you and Nico resolve creative differences? Uh, sword fight. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me you're not even kidding. No, uh, no. I mean, that's that's <laughs> happened before. It's not it's not it's not like a go-to method, but um, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, another one, whoever gets tired of arguing first. But also, uh, I mean, it usually boils down to a pretty rational reason for doing something. What's your workflow like? Well, usually everything starts with the conversation a week or two before we shoot a piece. <laughs> and uh, after coming up with cool ideas and talking about it for a while, you know, usually get something down on paper like an outline and bring that into the shoot with us, along with a uh, rough schedule of how we think things will play out throughout the day. After shooting it, we pretty much go right into editing and then VFX. After that, we break off and Nico wraps up effects and starts doing color grading. 
when I start doing sound and music. How do you think about sound effects and music? Do you think of them as one thing? Do they I mean, play off each other? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, there's a ton of crossover. It's really key to remember that musical hits and tones and melodies play just as much into the feeling of a scene as sound design elements. What's your approach to mixing your soundtracks or your, your music? Even though I have a lot of musical training and stuff like that, I have zero professional like audio training. For the longest time, like I would have a pair of headphones and I'd make the song perfect for a certain piece of equipment and then listen to it elsewhere and, and be completely different. Investing in a good pair of studio monitors and headphones is the biggest change that has ever affected anything I do. It doesn't have to be expensive, but you know, just something solid, something consistent, something you can use as your point of reference. The best thing I got really for mixing, I suppose, is honestly just listening to it on as many devices as I can before I call it final. <laughs> so that's one thing. But also, um, I guess it's all about recognizing the elements and imagining your spectrum of sound as like a, a table. You have to make sure each instrument occupies its own space and other things don't interfere. That's the best. I like visually imagining it like that anyways. Hmm. So, yeah. I like just that ma- idea. Yeah. You have a video breaking down your individual mixes for yeah. your soundtracks. Yeah, it's cool seeing how you piece those parts together. I mean, there is a lot going on, a lot of layers usually in your music, but it never feels too overwhelming. I kind of feel like when you're making music with like sampled instruments and a lot of synthesizers and stuff like that, in order to compensate for the fact that they're not real, it's just best to just keep layering them on. I kind of feel like you make up for quality of samples with, uh, I guess, the musicianship of the piece. It seems like you release a single song on Bandcamp and iTunes along with each video. Has that been working out for you guys? Yeah. I mean, if I was an artist trying to support myself completely through my music, it would not be working (laughs) just simply for the music proceeds. But um, it definitely helps out a lot because, I mean, more than anything else, all the funds I'm able to get through the selling of songs and stuff like that, I get to essentially put it right back into more music equipment and just keep making things better and better. Sure. I noticed on your music singles that you put out, you leave those open for anyone to mix those into their own videos. Yeah, Even if if it's not a commercial thing or something like that. Yeah, generally, I mean, I kind of just made it like, all right, listen, if you get the songs, you can use it in whatever you want. But if it's like commercial work, I'd prefer if you license it or credit me and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I feel like, especially like in the earlier days of YouTube when I started doing it, anyone who had copywritten music in their pieces would have their content pulled instantly. And so this is just kind of my way of making it easier for people to make videos, even if they don't know how to write music or have access to soundtracks themselves. They can just draw from that collection of stuff and toss in their own videos and no one's going to hunt them down. Well, maybe we could talk through another piece of yours 
One of my favorites is from your video, Photo Reel. Well, it's a piece about a magic camera that essentially can freeze frame parts of an environment and lock them there in space. Whatever angle the camera takes a photo from, it becomes real. And so it's all about a character using that to his advantage to like hide from this bike cop who's trying to chase him down. It's not very video gamey, so the, the chiptune influence on that, I suppose, just comes from a pure stylistic standpoint. My friend Clinton Jones was listening to the soundtrack for a video game called Fez. It's easily one of the best soundtracks I've heard for games of all time. It's, a, it's very, like, synthy, very, very chiptune inspired. It's, like, really peaceful and, like, really melodic synthesizer music. And so after hearing that for, like, a week while doing all the effects on this, when the music part came around, I was just like, you know what, honestly, I've been hearing this, uh, I really like it, and this is my take on that. Very different than your other pieces. Yeah, absolutely. In doing a piece like that, you put a lot of original stuff, like the melody and the rhythm, you know, all that stuff ends up being very original. But um, going through that soundtrack, I did actually model specifically a lot of the sounds and synthesizers after a lot of the ones I heard in the soundtrack because, I don't know, they were just very pleasing to listen to, so I couldn't help but want to hear more of it. Especially, like, right in the beginning of the song with those, like, very long echoing chords. That's, like, directly taken uh, <laughs> as inspiration from that game. Well, how do you decide when to use very specific cues to the music and when to have it just be kind of in the background, like moving the action? Usually there's two ways. It's either going into it, I pick out one point that I want the entire score to sync with. Like there's just one moment in the piece that the music just has to line up perfectly for. And the other way is dropping the video in there and just going for it. And once I start experimenting with the part, then after the fact, I kind of look at the piece and I rearrange the music a little bit so I know where to build out from. But yeah, sure. let the piece completely dictate the music. I find it a lot harder to write a song first and then put that in a video. And I, I think watching the way action plays out and the way a narrative plays out on screen is the best guide you can have for writing music because the story is already written for you, in a sense. Yeah. I mean, each video is different. There's certain ones that are like more epic. There's ones that are a little more lighthearted. There's some that are really serious narratives and stuff like that. And so I'm finding myself constantly drawing from everything from chiptunes and dubstep to Hans Zimmer to really intense power metal. It's all over the place. So, Well, what kind of questions do your fans have for you about the music? It's a lot of technical stuff, you know, just because people are searching for... Uh, just software to really make it with because I think the musicianship behind writing music is unique to each person and their background as far as like what they consider a good song to be and how they write music and so you can only do so much with that other than you know simply practicing an instrument but when it comes to actually then turning that skill into a recorded piece it kind of comes down to those technical aspects what software what plugins are being used things like that I guess to elaborate then on that, I do everything in Logic just because I've, I don't know, that's the one I'm most familiar with and I've been using for the longest time. But also on a more like technical level, the reason I use it is just because I enjoy the way the interface works with like live instruments and MIDI 
and sampled uh, instruments. Uh, I just kind of feel like it has the most intuitive interface for that. I think the most frustrating parts about uh, <laughs> doing music, now that we've heard all the uh, cool things, I guess it really kind of does go back to mixing your stuff. It's like, it's really easy to imagine what you want to hear, but it's really hard to end up with a result that sounds like what you were thinking of. Like, uh, I still struggle with uh, like mixing guitars right. If I knew what the problem was, I'd fix it, but uh, I listen to a ton of metal, like power metal and heavy metal, death metal, everything. And um, that's like one of the sounds I still can't figure out how to nail. I don't know what it is. I've tried a couple things here and there, like just layering guitars and guitars and guitars on top of themselves just to make things feel big and powerful. Yeah, I've, I've always struggled with that too. I noticed in your videos that you usually plug in your guitar and use plugins versus live micing an amp. I do that too. Because whenever I mic an amp, I don't know if it's the wrong mic placement or wrong amp, or, but it just d never sounds quite as powerful as I would hope for. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. It's like even the plugins don't even really quite do the job at times too because they can seem very dry and thin. Now, what keeps you motivated doing these videos every week or every two weeks? The comments. <laughs> that's mostly it. Just seeing feedback from people and the fact that people are really enjoying it. Also, uh, because if we stopped, we'd have to find another job, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where would you be right now if there was no Corridor Digital YouTube channel? Good question. Uh, probably trying to pitch movie projects or doing freelance VFX still, I'd say. I don't know. Or maybe, Do I don't know. Maybe I would have... The thing is, honestly, um, until we started doing the YouTube channel, I wasn't too serious in the music. But at this point, I feel like if we stopped doing that, like I would probably be just fine doing freelance music for a year or two. I'd probably enjoy that quite a bit. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think you'd succeed at it pretty well. <laughs> Hope um, so. Do you have any plans for future videos right now? Yeah. The next one that we're going to finish, it's actually a piece that we shot with some kittens that have recently taken resident in our apartment. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, it's one of the recent pieces that we're doing that I actually am not writing the music for because hmm. recently uh, I started listening to some electronic music by an artist who goes by the name of Savant, and I contacted him, requested permission to use some of his music in our work, and uh, he responds saying, hey, dude, I'm already subscribed to your channel. Use anything you want. It's cool. <laughs> so we're going to be uh, using his, some of his music in the piece instead, which uh, is pretty, pretty intense. So huh. looking forward to it. Intense music along with kittens. Cute yeah. little kittens. Yeah, it's going to be... Yeah, you'll, you'll see. You'll see. Okay. <laughs> nice. It'll probably be out by the time this podcast episode airs, actually. so Perfect. So for people who want to check out your stuff... They can go to youtube.com slash corridor digital mm -hmm. and your behind the scenes channel. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's youtube.com slash Sam and Nico where we uh, post all our behind the scenes making of and all that business and uh, all the music work I do usually finds a way to make it in there too. So yeah, it's cool to see those behind the scenes videos on your music production and stuff. So, well, Sam, I think that's about all the questions I have for you. Great. Yeah, that, that was, uh, that was really fun. It's not very often that uh, I get to talk about music with uh, fellow musicians because usually we're kind of in that video world. So, uh, yeah, it was really good talking.
Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Not a problem, man. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Composer Quest with Sam Gorski. For links to the music in this episode and links to the other artists we talked about, you can visit ComposerQuest.com. And remember, you can always say hi or suggest new topics at Facebook.com slash ComposerQuest or Twitter.com slash ComposerQuest. So I'll leave you with a score that Sam wrote for the video Nightmare with a K. And it's called, appropriately enough, Peasant's Quest. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.